is uh, in Isaiah, and we're reading from chapter 51, verse 9, and into chapter 52, verse 12. So a bit of a long reading. It's good stuff. You know that Isaiah is uh, most quoted of, of Jesus of all the Old Testament books, part of the Psalms. And Paul quoted more from Isaiah than any other Old Testament book. And um, through it all, we have been seeing Jesus. And uh, so we pick up in uh, chapter 51, verse 9. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces? Can I just let you know that Rahab here means Egypt before you get really kind of... (gasps) It was a nickname for Egypt. Who pierced that monster through. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals, mere human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your maker? who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I have set the heavens in place. Who laid the foundations of the earth? And who say to Zion, you are my people. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. You who have drained it to its dregs. The goblet that makes people stagger. Among all the children she bore, there is none to guide her. Among all the children she brought up, there was none to take her by the hand. These double calamities have come upon you. You, who can comfort you? Ruin and destruction, famine and sword, who can console you? Your children have fainted. They lie at every street corner like antelope caught in the net. They are filled with the wrath of the Lord and the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you afflicted one, made drunk, but not with wine. This is what your sovereign Lord says, your God who defends his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. I will put it in the hands of your tormentors who said to you, fall prostrate that we may walk on you. And you made your back like the ground like a street to be walked on. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. 
daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing. And those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Who proclaim peace. Who bring good tidings. Who proclaim salvation. Who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen, lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion and they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from here. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Gosh, you could just spend the whole week going over that passage, and I've got 20 minutes to share something with you. Um, I, I guess some of you will have heard songs, some of the songs we used to sing from this passage. Um, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the anointing upon the prophet Isaiah as he listened to your voice and as he spoke what he heard from you. And Lord, we know that your word is the word of truth and authority and has things to say in the day that it was spoken and in every day. And so we pray tonight, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what you might say. Even through our reading of the scripture, Lord, would you have been speaking to each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you like getting a wake-up call? Do you know when you go on holiday and uh, you get to the reception, you may not do this, you may go in caravans and uh, tents and other things, but um, I like a good hotel now and again. And they'll say to me, do you want a wake-up call? And I'll say, of course not. I don't want a wake-up call. I'm on my holidays. But there are other times um, when you need a wake-up call, particularly when I've taken groups out to the Holy Land And I've got to get 30 people on a bus at 7.30 in the morning. And they say, do you want a wake-up call? And I say, they do. They do. Give them all a wake-up call. 6.30 in the morning. I'm sure we've all had times when we've experienced that temptation to ignore a wake-up call. When we're tempted just to press the snooze button just once more. Five more minutes. And we go back to sleep. This passage comes in the midst of the servant songs. 
uh, amazing passages of Isaiah when he's talking about that prophecy about the Messiah, about Jesus. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the central figure of Isaiah, of the Bible. And he is the key figure in God's plans for his people and for the world. But what I want to pick up from this passage is the three wake-up calls that you heard as we read it through. There are three wake-up calls. One in chapter 51, verse 9. One in 51, 17. And one in 52, verse 1. Now, Isaiah is so excited about what God is revealing to him. Some of the plans that God has for his people And he is aware of what hangs in the balance. He is aware of what is at stake. And and he speaks this first wake-up call. And that's the thing you notice about these three wake-up calls. The first one is spoken by the prophet. Because who's it addressed to? And I think that's the most surprising thing about the first wake-up call. It's addressed not to the people of God. Not to Isaiah's fellow Jews. It's not addressed to the Gentiles. It's addressed to God himself. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in the days gone by, as in generations of old. He's saying, God... What you've done in the past, what you've done in the, the, the recent history of your people, we, we, will you do it again? It was the Messiah who cut Rahab, Egypt. The Messiah who set the ten plagues on Egypt, who defeated Egypt's gods. It was the Messiah who parted the Red Sea so the people of God could walk across on dry ground. He who made the road in the depths of the sea. And Isaiah is excited. What he sees prophetically is the return of God's people. They've been under judgment. If you've not read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, it's all about judgment. And they've been under judgment, the judgment of God for their rebelliousness. And he's prophesied exile and he's prophesied that they will be under other foreign rulers. And Isaiah begins to see from God that actually this is coming to an end. And so I see it as a sort of cry of his heart. God has not abandoned his people. He has not broken his covenant. He has not sold them into slavery. They remain remain his people whom he will redeem. They will be a light to the Gentiles. They will be the hope for the world. So wake up, God. Come now. Save us. Act now. Deliver us. That's the kind of thing that we hear through this wake-up call. We need your intervention now. And I relate to that. There are times when I've prayed and prayed and prayed and I've cried to God, God, will you wake up? Will you do what you've done in the past? Will you do it again now? But as we read on, we get to hear the Lord responding to Isaiah. He replies, 
politely but firmly, you've got the wrong number. You know when you press that button on your phone and you press the redial, see whose phone you last. You got one of those buttons? It's like God is redialing that and said, I've got something to say to you. And Isaiah should know that God doesn't need waking up. We read one of the Psalms earlier on. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He has not gone to sleep ever. But it is not yet the time for Messiah to come. But God will come. But actually, the other way around, what is needed is the people of God to wake up. Now is the time for God's people to trust in the Lord, to trust in his wisdom, to trust in his sovereignty, to trust in his perfect timing. It is not the time to fear man, however powerful they may seem, however powerful the Assyrians may seem, however powerful the the nations around them may seem. They are not to fear man, but fear God alone. Even though that they have been trodden down, used like roads, Reminded me of the Christians in North Korea in the prison camps who are not allowed to lift up their heads. They're not allowed to look up. They have to walk with their faces to the ground. Who are they to fear? Kim Jong-un or the powers that be? No. Because there is one who is more powerful than Kim Jong-un. There is one more powerful than the Assyrians. There is one more powerful. God is saying it is time to remember the Lord, the sovereign I am. I am the Lord Almighty. I am the Lord. And there's that reassurance in this passage that he has not abandoned his people even though they are under oppression. And that's really hard, isn't it? When does our faith fail? When we feel that God has abandoned us. When we feel that he has allowed something to happen that we would not have allowed to happen. Yet through the whole of Scripture and through the whole of church history, what God says is, no, I am still with you in the midst of it all. You are my people, he says. So the second and the third wake-up calls, it is God addressing the people. It's wake-up Jerusalem. It's wake-up Zion. God's judgment had fallen on a disobedient people. You read that through the whole of the first part of Isaiah. But the problem never stemmed from God's sleepiness, but for their own rebelliousness, faithlessness, and they ended up in a stupor, a drunken stupor. There's a description here that the days of judgment are coming to the end. The days of heavy drinking from the cup of God's wrath are coming to an end. Wake up, wake up, sober up, be clear-headed. And there is something here about repentance. That God is calling for a repentant people. They had become like men and women lying in a drunken state on the streets. Have you ever seen those news bulletins when they show people who are just absolutely out of their heads on the streets and they're just wandering around or lying in the gutter? 
How did they get in such a state? And God is saying the people of God got like that. Because they abandoned God. They turned away from him. And they had to drink the cup of God's wrath. The judgment of God had fallen. We will note further on as we go through Isaiah's prophecy that he will clearly describe the Messiah drinking the cup of God's wrath. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, take this cup from me. Jesus will drink the cup. But for here and now, God is saying he is going to turn that wrath upon the oppressors. The ones who did walk over his people as if they were a road. He will turn it back on his oppressors. So the third wake-up call is come, clothe yourself with strength. Divine strength is to be their everyday clothes. Put on your garments of splendor. Be who you are meant to be. Filled with God's power, filled with God's spirit. So I think the first wake-up call from God to his people is to repent. And the second call is to awaken to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's still a call on the church today. our church, the church, to wake up. Yeah, we do pray for revival, but in a way what we're asking God is to wake us up, stir us up. We don't have to wake God up. God is stronger than we think. And he offers to clothe us with his strength. Whenever we're willing to admit our weakness, to turn to him in humility and repentance, part of the 24-7 prayer week that we're having is to fall on our knees before God and say, yeah, we want to be on mission for you, but unless you move, we won't see anything. Every revival that I've ever read about starts with the people of God falling to their knees, saying, God, would you revive us? And these clean clothes that he offers, not filthy rags, are new every morning. And we don't have to earn it, it's free. It's this amazing thing called grace. Without money, you will be redeemed. You are not sold into slavery. To wake up to the wonder of God's redeeming power. And the good news is even bigger than we think. For Isaiah, in his mind, I guess he's, he's, he's dreaming about one day, once the people have gone into exile, that they will come back to Jerusalem. And they did. And even in our own history, I know I've talked with people who see the establishment of the state of Israel as kind of the, the most amazing thing that has ever happened in, in our history. And it is amazing. Without a doubt, it is amazing. But that's not it either. It's bigger than that. The Messiah is coming to make a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be a new Jerusalem. It's going to be a whole new creation. And we are invited to be part of that new creation. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Isaiah speaks of new Jerusalem in his prophecy. And the Messiah, the King, will bring it about. And of course, we live on the other side of that revelation of the Messiah who has come 
and will come again. And that wonderful description of the good news, how beautiful are the feet of him or those who bring good news. And that's our role in it all, to bring good news. News that the king has come. So in this passage, we hear these wake-up calls. Will the church reach out for the snooze button again, or will the church hear God calling us to repent and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be clothed with strength, to live as those who are expecting the Lord at any moment? As Jesus would encourage us to keep our lamps full, lit, ready and packed, I suppose the question for me, for us, for the church is, has our expectancy been dulled? I was talking with the minister of the Methodist circuit this morning and he was saying the churches were all in decline and and it just is is difficult. But the church isn't declining worldwide. Church is thriving worldwide. Growing faster and faster and faster. God is doing amazing things. He is not asleep. Who needs to wake up? We need to wake up. Methodism came out of an incredible move of God's spirit. So many times, time and time and again, when God is moved by his spirit, we cling on to the forms of what we had then and we try and replicate it through the years to come. God is doing a new thing. So we need to wake up. Wake up. Wake up, repent. It applies to us personally as well. We need to come before the Lord and repent, but also be filled again with the Spirit. So that we may proclaim the good news as those with beautiful feet. And as we're going to share in a few minutes' time communion together, we remember the one who came and who died for us, who took the sin of the world upon himself, who said to his father, I am willing, if this is your will, I am willing to drink this cup. Let's pray together and then Zach and the band are going to lead us as we respond. Maybe just a moment of quiet where we can pray, give to God our lives. Where we can pray that he would awaken his church again.